Hey, this is Swami Raute, former president of Johnson & Johnson Vision. If you're wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Genotsis. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. So perhaps the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world. Welcome to today's episode. Great to have you here with us again. And I've got a wonderful guest with me today. His name is Swami Roti. Well, during his 30-year tenure with Johnson Johnson, Swami earned the reputation as a trusted, transformative growth leader across fast-moving consumer goods, OTC products, pharmaceuticals, and medical devices. He successfully delivered results, building robust organizations for over 20 years in developed and emerging Asia with a decade in the US and global roles. His most recent role included leading Johnson Johnson's $3.6 billion vision care division. Swami, a huge welcome to you today. Thank you, Dennis. Nice to be here with you. Thank you. Whereabouts in the world are you today? I am based in sunny Jacksonville, Florida. It's cold, but it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad I'm not in New York or Boston or any other place. Yeah, glad to see. I see you got the word sunny in there, which is good. And <laughs> the other thing too is that, uh, yeah, you're in winter and I'm in summer in this part of the world. So, yeah, I'm not looking forward to getting autumn or winter, but um, or fall as you might call it. Uh, where, you, where, where does your name originate from? I come from Mumbai, India. Hmm. Mami literally means uh, the Lord and the Master of the world. Oh, wow. Very good. <laughs> or a husband in Indonesian. You know, Bahasa Indonesia, it also means husband. Oh, wow. It's interesting how <laughs> names or words have different meanings in different different countries, different cultures. and that. Yeah. I used to have a team in Bangalore in, in India, and people say to me, I go, oh, where are you from? They go, I'm from India, and they tell me which part. And I go, great, because I'm actually from Karnataka. And they go, what? How does he know how to say Karnataka? First of all, let alone, he doesn't look like he's from there. And I just go, no, I used to have a team in Bangalore and that, but they taught me about the names and so forth. So I have a lot of fun doing that and saying that to people. Swami, I've just given a quick introduction to our listeners about your background, huge experience in, in, you know, in a large corporate as well. You want to tell us a little bit more, a little bit more about your background? Dennis, I grew up in the India of 60s and 70s, come from a middle-class household, you know, battling constraints as everyone used to during those days. Hugely, the family hugely valued education and integrity and hard work. I mean, if my mom didn't tell me hard work doesn't kill anyone at least five times in a day or five times in an hour, I would feel something's wrong with her. <laughs> did pharmacy, you know, worked for some time, did my MBA, 
joined a large global financial multinational. Then about 30 years ago, I took a 55% pay cut and joined Johnson & Johnson. And then I never looked back. When you think about the compounding impact of 55% pay cut, one would assume I've left a lot of money on the table, but what I have gained is phenomenal. And honestly, JNJ has been my university in healthcare. It's been my university in leadership. It's really taught me everything that I know today. And for that, I will be forever grateful to that institution. That's wonderful. And, you know, just that sharing of you with the 55% pay cut to go to a large organization like that, you know, say, as you, you're right, some people might think, well, what are you doing? But I think at the end of the day, it's what your bigger picture is, your understanding what your vision is and where you're going in your career. And sometimes we might need to make a strategic move to go ahead and do that. And I think that's wonderful you did that because look at what's happened for you in your career. That's, would you have actually had that opportunity where you were before? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Yeah, I think we are destined to go where we are destined to. And I'm so glad that I took that chance. And, uh, you know, I had the courage at that point of time. I think I was foolhardy, but in retrospect, I would call it courage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Courage, big courage. <laughs> Absolutely. And tell me, how did you get into leadership? Honestly, I never thought about getting into leadership. When you get into work, you are just focused on doing your job to the best of your ability. You want to excel at your task. And that's all that I was fixated on. And then over a period of time, people kind of start giving you people responsibility. And then you start looking at what truly motivates people. You know, how are you going to help them? deliver what we need to do, but also balance their lives. I mean, people are diverse. People have different things on their mind. How do you keep them engaged all the time? Moving from people leadership, then you start looking at, that's when you start really looking upwards in terms of what are people above you doing? How are they leading larger teams, larger businesses, larger functions, larger units? And then when you start moving across the world, you start looking at people from different cultures and how do they connect back with them. And that's how my entire leadership journey started. First, just by doing the job well. Second, trying to figure out how to get people excited about doing what we need to do. Third, helping people make choices and, and literally bringing out everyone in terms of helping them make those choices. And then the last thing which you know is if you really want to move ahead in life, you have to learn to trust people and you have to first learn to trust yourself and really put yourself out there with all your warts and, you know, the answers which you don't have to every question which they might have. And I think that's how I kept evolving over a period of time. I still think I'm a work in progress. I'm not done yet. But that's the long and short of it. Yeah, I think you're so right in what you're saying about trusting yourself first. You have to trust yourself before you can either trust others, number one. The other thing you said as well is about really doing your work job really well. The number of people who want to move up in an organization are going, great, but you need to knock the ball out of the park, if I use a metaphor like that, on what you do and do it really well. Not just do it okay, not just mediocre, but really do it well because then you get the right attention. Yeah. You know, if you're not good at what you do, you will over a period of time not be good at what you're supposed to do. Uh, and you can get distracted by everything. But at the end of the day, you also have to really understand who you are, what you want to be, whether you're ready for it or not. And if not, how do you reconcile? How do you let people know where you need the help? Because even leaders need help. You should be willing to reach out and ask for that help when needed. You know, you don't need to have all the answers. 
Absolutely. You don't need to have the answer. That's that's a very good point. You don't actually need to have the answers, but you need to actually have the ability and maybe put your ego in your back pocket and actually ask for help. It's okay to ask for help. I like what you said before. If you're not good at what you do, then you won't be good at what you need, you're need. you supposed to be doing. That's precious, just that, what you just said there. Thank you, Dennis. Very good. Swami, I'm going to ask you a question here. Now, this person could be alive or from history, and you may have several here, but who's the one leader? Who's your favorite leader and why? You know, one of my favorite leaders, and, and I really did not know about this person for a long time, but when I think about different people who have had impact on a very large scale, my choice will be surprising, but he would be Deng Xiaoping of China. You know, the ability for one single individual to change the course of country and figure out a way to leave a legacy wherein even after he is gone, the country continues to prosper and do well. That's phenomenal. And if I really look at the arc of history and how he shifted an entire country, the aspirations, how he reframed what China should be doing from what it was doing is truly precious. So there would be a lot of people who would not know. I personally did not know, but being to China for the last 30 years, since 91, I've been going there and I've seen the development of China and it's truly phenomenal. I mean, I do not I have not seen any other country move up so sharply, so quickly at that scale. Oh, that's cool. Here's a question I'm just going to, I've just thought of, I'm just going to pull out of, the, out, of, out of the hat here. And that is if you two were sitting down together on a, on a park bench, so the leader you just spoke about and you, you're having a coffee together, what question would you ask him? My question would be, how did he keep himself together throughout that process? Because it was not easy, the transformation which he brought about. I mean, the more I learn about history, the more I read about history, the more I understand the challenges. To have energy, grit, perseverance, to see through it and yet be radically cruel the way an outside world would see it when needed because it was important decision for China was phenomenal. And uh, he did not stay a prisoner of his image. He was willing to break his own mold if, if it was called for. And that's something which I've not seen with many leaders. I think when leaders become larger than life, they tend to get framed and then they hesitate to break the shell. Mm. And that's sad when it happens too, because I think you're so right. I mean, bringing energy, grit and perseverance is really important, while at the same time being cool to the outside world. It's almost like the swan or the duck on the lake gliding along looking beautifully. But you and I know that underneath, those feet are going 10 or those web feet are going 10 to the dozen. And I think if you said what you just said, there was like, wow, that's huge. He wasn't a prison a prisoner of his own image. And he broke that mold as well. I think that's, that is very powerful. Too many leaders get stuck behind a title, have this yeah. image out there. They think they need to be something that they're not. And all you and I want is just them to be them. Yeah. Bring them their best self along. Yeah. And, and societies and your audiences will tend to frame you over a period of time. And it is hard not to fall in love with your own image. But if the context calls for doing something which is different from what people have framed you, you should have the courage to do it and not be a prisoner of what will the world say. And when I look at how he has done a few things, he was very much willing 
to throw his image and take some really cold, hard calls when they were needed. Right, because I was just going to ask you, Swami, for our listeners here, if if they are thinking about themselves or they see a leader that's stuck in that image, what can they do to be for that courage? What could they do? So, any ideas on what they could do to break the mold? I mean, that is something which I would have asked uh, Deng yeah. if I was having a coffee with him. But you know, Tiananmen Square is what everyone remembers. He could have taken a popular call and allowed things to go, but he actually chose to repress the surprise, the uprising, the way an Anglo-Saxon media would portray it. But there was a cold-hearted reason why he did that. And when you look at the people who were with him, who were equally shocked at his call, that is something which I would love to understand from him. How did he bring himself about to do things which no one expected him to do? Yeah, that'll be amazing to hear, hear or learn in relation to that. Now, the show here, Swami, is called Leadership is Changing. When I talk about that title or I you know, mention it or I mention that saying, what does that mean to you? Dennis, when I think about leadership and when I think about whom I used to get fascinated by or charmed by when I started my career, these were people who were really wise, knowledgeable, had a good worldview. They really had access to information that probably many did not have, including me. And, and today, when I think about leadership, access to information is universal. Whoever wants to make an effort can access information. And leadership today probably means different things to me. It's about not being a know-all but being willing to be a learn-all, someone willing to understand different sets of circumstances, context, and occasionally willing to roll up the sleeves, get into trenches, and figure out things jointly so that we are clear about the purpose, but we are willing to take different actions to achieve those end goals. So I would say the difference would be more from a know-all to someone who is willing to learn, someone who is willing to be flexible, still being fixated on the same purpose and goal, not losing that, right. but willing to mend and bend to make things happen. So you're saying, I think what you see there, just in a summary, is to, not to be a know-all, but to be a learn-all and learn as much as you can, be flexible. Mm -hmm. Great way of putting it. Thank you. Now, you and I are living in a world today that is very fast-paced, ever-changing. You know, it's uh, whether it be social, technology, business, things are moving fast. And we've seen the rate of change happen very quickly over the, over the years, and it's getting faster all the time. What makes a leader successful today in that fast-paced, ever-changing world? You know, I, what has helped me, and I have changed myself, and I'm still in the process of changing myself, how do you retain the ability of mobilizing right people across the organizations. How do you get them anchored on what is the true purpose of what we all want to achieve? Can we have a higher purpose than what is there in front of us today? And involving them in the purpose, involving them in the strategy, but equally recognizing that strategy is on the basis of context, right? And no two people from two different parts of the world can resonate exactly the same way. And allowing a fair degree of autonomy in terms of tactics. How do we want to go there? At times, we might be doing two diametrically different things in different parts of the world, but they would still both be the right things. And just allowing that autonomy to permeate throughout the organization 
helps us achieve goals today far faster than trying to dictate everything in a perfect excel sheet to people right yeah amazing that's good so have a higher purpose i think that's so important and actually when i think about the different generations now working in organizations the millennials and others they're looking for that purpose they want that higher purpose they want to understand what it means for them swami so, i don't know about you and your experience of the years i'm pretty sure you've experienced this do people really understand the strategy of an organization because they know that it's been thrown at them or it's been told to them but do they actually really understand what they do on a daily basis in relation to the strategy of the organization you know what you and, and that is what i mean by if they understand the purpose that's good enough what is the job of a leadership today to create many leaders like the person probably better than the person himself who are then going to help translate and help the organization apply help the organization localize things to be done within a given context so that we are all contributing to the higher purpose and the true role of leadership is to really generate thousands of leaders and get everyone to feel like a leader you know i mean if you can drive ownership into the organization as deep as you can then your job is done then you would have done your job they should feel that they are owning the purpose of the organization the vision of the organization yeah cool so they feel like they've they're bought into it. it's their idea so a sort of scenario right yep okay good and they then they feel that as well i think i think you're right and i totally agree with you what you just said there in relation to our role as leaders is to generate thousands of leaders because that's what our role is that's what we should be doing on a daily basis and we should be looking at enabling and empowering others growing others to become the leaders for tomorrow yeah hmm. I, i define it more like you know you have to have that growth mindset and you need to generate that growth mindset across the organization and that would mean allowing people to fail and that would mean giving people the safety to voice out where they made mistakes so that everyone else can learn from it and all mistakes with a good intent are good mistakes because they help the organization progress then driving simplification you know because i would never be good at doing someone's job better than he himself try and make things as simple as possible but the last is empower if you do not empower if people feel like there is a 1984 environment that's not the most uh, that's not the best way to get people excited about coming to their jobs every day morning no totally totally that's not at all and i like what you say generate the growth mindset across the organization and then the other one is all mistakes are good mistakes if it's with the right intent i think a lot of organizations are scared afraid have that fear mentality and they're too scared to try something right they don't have the courage to go ahead and do it because the environment has been set up in a way that's not i don't think is actually proactive or productive for them and i totally agree with what you just said there about, about generating growth mindset across the organization mm. you know many organizations and and i am reflecting more on my own journey there was a, as as organizations became global there was a reason why they came up with a playbook and they had a certain playbook which needed to be executed across the world which is not a bad first step but as you grow and as you learn to recognize the diversity of the world and especially in today's world you mentioned about technology and social and data today's world you can be global and hyper local at the same time and how do you help your employee make those right decisions 
versus trying to put yourself into you know 5000 shoes and try and see if you can take that decision for them it's important to give them that power to make those decisions and occasionally fail yeah it's amazing how the organizations footprint are now global but they also i think you use the word hyper local mm-hmm. yep yeah. and so they they are local as well and and you can see that happening and I think that's a very smart thing to do is look at a footprint that could be global and influence people around the world and then having a vision which is good. Now you and I Swami have been talking about leaders and we've been looking through the lens of a leader. If we were to flip that around now and now look through the lens of employees, both you and I have been employees, we've had employees reporting into us over over the years and that. So how has employees of of expectations of leaders changed? I think more and more employees want to buy into what they are doing they are willing to have the first set of vision thrown at them but you should be willing to allow them to co-craft the vision you know co-craft the way they are going to execute they are looking for autonomy they are looking for flexibility in some ways they are looking for trust as well it has to be a two way contract and if they get that they will stay with the organization and honestly they will deliver a far better job than what we ever expected them to do yep absolutely and their trust has got to be there you know one of the things which truly fascinated me and intrigued me to join jnj was i saw the johnson and johnson the cursive logo and it what was written below it was trust mark not a trademark and that intrigued me and then i went into the owner or you know the founder of the company and how he set it up and that was a very fascinating story and that was the reason why i felt like i should join this company and it has not uh, it has lived up to my expectations the yugay listeners take a 55% pay cut because of one <laughs> word that said trust rather than <laughs> trade and um it's amazing how different everyone looks at things differently right so um, yeah absolutely yeah and so that's a quite a unique way to actually talk about trust mark rather than a trademark because it's different but it also means so much more i think i think that's that's pretty cool did you really take the 55% pay cut because of that one word <laughs> that was one of the reasons uh, actually it was also the leader who was engaging with me he was truly humble he was truly smart and i could relate the company and what it wanted to do with the leader and uh, he actually you know he he forced me not to join he said listen you, you're bright you're smart there are many reasons why i can tell you you should not join us firstly i won't be able to afford you secondly you know our culture will frustrate you and uh, while you're good you might not succeed here and that made me even more intrigued and i said listen i mean how are you why are you telling me that i will fail i i now want to join and succeed but but he was right i mean you know coming from a place where being quick fast furious decisive was valued and measured to a place which almost has a family feel to it and which allows for decisions to germinate for some time which brings in people into the decisions was initially very hard for me but once you learn that leadership process you realize that this is the best way to execute with speed so you go slow but you knock it out of the park because then you're all aligned in terms of what your understanding is and even if you're not completely committed to what what is being asked of you you're bought into the process 
Yeah, very much so. So execute with speed. I like that one. And yeah, it's interesting how you talked about it. And he sort of gave you the carrot, but then took the carrot away. <laughs> and then um, it made you want it more. So pretty interesting how this worked. And by the looks of it, based on your resume and based on what your experience, it worked out very well. Yeah. And he was honest about it. So, mm. you know, I mean, there was not a single thing which he said, which was incorrect. I could not go back to him and say that, listen, you never told me about this. He said, listen, I told you about everything. I told you about the pay cut. I told you about our culture. I told you about you will have to behave a little bit differently with us if you have to succeed. So he opened your eyes and he also probably was setting you up for success right from the outgo, right? So then you knew what you were buying into as part of that process you just talked about before, very much so. Shwami, I'm going to get you to get your crystal ball out now and talk about the future here. So where do you see leadership being in five years? You know, especially post-COVID, I, I can see across the spectrum of an organization, COVID impacting people differently. But the one thing which fundamentally will be unchanged is people would demand more autonomy, people will demand more flexibility. And if organizations are not able to provide that, they will vote with their feet and leave for some other place. And they really want to be bought into whatever is happening. Even more so, I think I think the world is becoming a little bit more unhealthy and the planet is becoming a little bit more unhealthy. And two or five years down the line, it's going to be even more acute. So we need different leadership at an accelerated pace to cope up with the challenges of the future. Yep, absolutely. We need more flexibility, autonomy, and that will be demanded by people as well. And leaders, wake up. That's what we need to do going forward, and we'll see what else the world will throw at us going forward. Swami, thank you for joining us on today's show. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where should they go? They can approach me through my LinkedIn page, or they can write to me at swamiraute at outlook.com. I'm happy to connect with them. Great. Well, once again, thank you so much for joining us on today's show. Thank you, Dennis. It's, it was a pleasure. Likewise. Listeners, generate the growth mindset. Have the leader's playbook and execute with speed. Hey listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Look out for the episodes as they're being released, download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your friends, your family, and your network. Hey, if there's any feedback you'd like to give me about the show, or if there's a question you have for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, then send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, it's always a pleasure being with you. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.